0: This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashaan Senanayake. What's up, listeners? I'm your host, Rashaan. Welcome to a brand new episode. And the continuation of season two of Inspiring Design. This season's all about the students' point of view, and today is no exception to that. We are design thinking our way through the education and design industry, featuring students from all over Australia and various subject areas, disciplines, and stages in their education careers. So to kick things off today, I have here a very special guest, Natasha Klough. Tash is 23, local girl from the town of Wollongong. She's a final year interior design student at QUT, also studying architecture. But what makes her stand out is the fact that she has traveled to an amazing 34 countries in her life so far. Something that a lot of us actually dreams about, but she's actually achieved it at the age of 23. So today is all about traveling and design and education. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Tash.
1: Thank you very much, thanks for having me.
0: Can we start off with a little bit of background on yourself?
1: Yeah, so um, 23 years old, um, I grew up in Mackay, Queensland. Um, my dad is an engineer, mm-hmm. um, coal mining, and so basically, um, through his work, um, I have been able to travel a lot around Australia with my family um, and as well as um, around the world, luckily. And yeah. Um, Grew up on Mackay, moved down to Brisbane for uni, and here I am. <laughs> there you go. So
0: you're actually working at the moment?
1: I am working, yeah. I'm working at a firm called Pedal & Potter. It's kind awesome. of a new firm, just four of us, interior design. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. I've been there for four weeks now. So. There
0: you yeah. go. Cool. <laughs> 20, 34 countries. Yeah. How did that happen?
1: <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, well, my first country I has had ever, I guess, visited mm-hmm. was um, Ghana in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a unique first country. Yeah. So, my, like I just said, my dad's an engineer. We travel a lot for he, um, through his work mm-hmm. and basically to make ends meet when I was born. And my older brother, um, he decided to go shovel coal onto a conveyor belt and Right. Africa. So yeah. um, I was there till the age of three and a half. And yeah, basically my first years of living with her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that from there, we just kind of came back to Australia. And then when I was 12, then dad decided that, yeah, okay, we're going to start going on family holidays because he yeah. worked away a lot and thought this was a good way to kind of connect with the family altogether. So yeah, then went back to Africa to... South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, and Zambia, and wow. then from there it was every year, every second year. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's brilliant. And what was the last country you visited?
1: Last country was about five weeks ago. Yeah. I was in Croatia.
0: Nice, <laughs> yeah. very nice. Yeah. And like we'll get into the mindset of how that has changed you and evolved you as a person, mm-hmm. but uh, just to give some background. What, do you, um, what made you choose architecture and interior to study at uni?
1: So, um, initially, I was doing a creative industry degree, did six months of that, absolutely hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Love the honesty. Yeah, absolutely hated it. Basically, in um, my first lecture, they said, okay, so this is the path you're heading down. It was like entertainment management. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to get a job. And mm-hmm. I was like, well...
0: This is in high school? This
1: was the year for, uh, first year out of high school. Right. So, I was like, this is really deflating. So, I took a year off yep. to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and in that year, I went through Southeast Asia and um, to Japan as well and two awesome. separate occasions. Yep. Um, and... Design was something I was always kind of not really knowing that I was actually interested in. There was, like, some points where I thought that maybe I wanted to be an architect, um, but my OP wasn't high enough. I thought that was really kind of out of reach for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was younger, my favorite thing to do on the weekends was to go visit open houses with nice. my mom. So <laughs> that's always what I want to do. So when I went to Japan, um, I started, like, going to all the temples and seeing how they – I guess everything's really um, like the whole urban landscape's crazy there and how contrasting is to the new compared to the old and how they've kept tradition, but they're also really technically advanced. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just really started loving it. So my OP wasn't high enough to get into architecture, so I went into interior Mm -hmm. thinking that maybe I wanted to change into architecture after the first year, but I decided I really loved interior and that was the way I wanted to head. Awesome.
0: So your ultimate goal is to become an interior designer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but um, I know there's a lot of stigma around interior design, around the world and what the career is, and a lot of people don't understand what it actually is. It gets confused for decorating a lot. Yeah, we actually
0: had a bit of a throwback when I spoke with um, Emma Ridings from Buck and she actually mentioned the exact same thing. Mm. She's a principal, but there's still that... A misunderstanding in the general public yeah. about um, interior design being thought as interior decorating. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. yeah.
1: Extremely different. And I still tell people when I still meet people. Um, so yeah, and say, yeah, uh, I'm almost graduating with interior design, a degree in interior design. They're like, oh, that's a four-year degree. <laughs> oh, I'm really good at interior design. You can come redo my bedroom or something. Oh, no. You know? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> you know, like, I haven't studied four years yep. to be asked to, like, redecorate your bedroom. But yep. um, that's a whole <laughs> different topic. Um, but, yeah, so I decided I wanted to go into architecture um, afterwards, even just get my bachelor mm-hmm. because it's my second major at the moment. And, um It does just open up a lot more career opportunities a little bit less stigma around the label architect and um, yeah yeah
0: and if you had to choose the complementing skills what 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 was the thought process you went through to pick architecture was that actually done on yours by yourself or was there other people helping you to make that decision
1: Um, so I initially picked it as my second major just um, I thought it would be good to complement interior Um, (coughs) sorry um, and then I went overseas on an exchange, and from that point, um, that exchange was in Oxford mm-hmm. in the UK. Brilliant. And the architecture there is so beautiful. Yeah. And from that point, I thought, oh, okay, this is what I want to study as well. I want to learn more about this part of it as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. fair yeah. enough. Mm-hmm. Let's get on to exchange programs mm-hmm. and um, obviously you went to Oxford Uni and that was it Oxford University No it, no. it was not Oxford Uni okay. it was Oxford Brooks so right, um, that's see. the uni next
1: to Oxford Uni Okay but I always tell people I went to Oxford School of Architecture because, mm-hmm. actually, Oxford Uni doesn't have architecture. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so, I can still say I went to Oxford School <laughs> of Architecture. Um,
0: and how long was that for?
1: That was for six months. Six months? Yeah. 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 It was a really good uni. It, I think it's the fourth or the fifth best in the UK. Yeah. Um, and one of the only ones that does interior. Um, yeah, so really good uni. Yeah, really I feel
0: intense, like I know the yeah. answer to this question, but obviously, would you recommend going on exchange oh, for students?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think um, with interior, you have a very small window from when you can go to get your subjects um, like equated for with subjects back at QT. I think um the program's really amazing they're definitely for interior students needs to be more options though mm-hmm. but for architecture and business i met so many different people over there and they loved it as well and um because there's only this one option like one or two options for interior the university i went to was really really intense and um so it wasn't really for me like mucking around, traveling every weekend and doing that kind of stuff. It yeah. was a lot of the same here at home, like late nights, all nighters. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but um, yeah, I think it's an amazing experience, but I always tell people I've talked to a lot of second years and third years about it when they have tried to apply. And mm-hmm. I just said, just be really aware that it's not like
0: it's well, not a fantasy it's
1: not a fantasy it's yeah. a lot of hard work that one uni I know other people the, the business kids there had a great time yeah. like and you know they had a bit more spare time than design students which, yeah yeah. But yeah
0: no that's fair enough and um for students that are, are interested like I, even even I get inquiries and I've actually never gone on exchange mm-hmm. to me having moved to Australia I feel like I was in exchange for the rest of my life so it's a, very, yeah. it's a bit of a different mindset yeah but um how do you get that process started
1: yeah, so it was basically it was a year long process. Um, before I left, um, I worked three jobs to try save up the money. You can get wow. um, you can get um, a bursary from the uni, and you can get a loan from the hex debt, which is like mm. around six grand. Yeah, so that was really helpful. But um, you have to apply like eight months, ten months before before you actually go. Right. Um, so. That whole process, for some people, it was just like a day, figuring out what they wanted to do. Um, But for the interior students, because there's not a lot of options and trying to get your subjects approved for what's weighted and things, it was a really, really tedious process. And it took me about two to three months to actually get all of that sorted because you'd finally find a subject and then you'd email and say, hey, does this subject work? And then email back and say, no, it doesn't. Find a different one. And even I was still... I was still um, getting my final subject approved while I was actually over there. Oh wow! Yeah, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a really tedious process mm-hmm. um, for interior students, anyway. Um, but after you get after you apply, which I think is, um, I Kate went from January to um, January to July. Yeah. Um, so we had to have our application in the June beforehand, mm-hmm. um, and then basically you just had to wait. To see if you got approved, and I got approved three weeks before I, I booked my flights.
0: Wow! So um, that would have been stressful. Yeah,
1: it was really stressful. It was like two days before Christmas, yeah. and like I was <laughs> leaving on the first of January, and oh, it was stressful. But got approved, got over there, got all my subjects approved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great experience. And
0: awesome. Yeah,
1: I would definitely, um, definitely give advice to people who want to go and exchange is to just find someone else from design who's gone on exchange and just get all the information out of them and get what subjects they've done and yeah. so it cuts down the process a lot quicker yeah
0: i have a feeling after this recording you you may actually be getting these messages <laughs> <laughs> to a
1: person. yeah
0: having uh, even i feel like i should consult you with um you know which countries to travel yeah to.
1: It's,
0: it's actually amazing well,
1: thing. <laughs> yeah i'm always here happy to help <laughs>
0: Now, um, obviously, everyone always says you know um, workplaces also look at traveling as a as an added um, added bonus Mm -hmm. when they're looking through your application and things like that. Yeah. Now you just started a job recently. Yeah. How did that conversation go? Did it actually your travel experience did that come into play?
1: Um, I think came up in the interview. I Mm -hmm. actually worked at Cody Parker architects before this. Um, and that played a big part in my interview there because, um, they were really interested in that. And they were also really interested that I was studying architecture as well as an interior design student. Um,
0: do you think it gave me the edge?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really, I think it's people see the word Oxford and they're like, wow. (laughs) um, Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it definitely gave me the edge. It's, um, yeah, I think people don't look at your GPAs at all for design. They look through your portfolio, they look through what skills you have, and then they look at your experience. And yeah. so if someone has no experience, and I have no experience, but I've also gone an exchange, yeah. a lot of the time I feel like that's going to take you over the edge. And definitely, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. And that's actually valuable advice for, I think, students going through this looking mm. at the next five, ten years. Yeah. And having learned design in another country as well. Mm -hmm. Comparing to Australia, what was that like?
1: It was insane. (laughs) Um, It was so different. Um, So I had a really passionate Italian interior designer. Wow. um, But they didn't call it interior design over there. They called it interior architecture. Right. So um, there's a little bit less stigma over there about the actual career. And um, they did... They did a lot of architecture as well. So basically my assignment, um, included the carcass of the building, Mm -hmm. but it just, you didn't really have to go into the structure of it. It was just, didn't go too much into design. Right. They gave a basic what they wanted and then you designed around that. And, um, my assignment was a semester long assignment, designing a pod for a homeless man. Mm -hmm. Um, so he Our uh, a t- a teacher designed the landscape of it and um, where it was going to be and gave us a carcass and basically mm-hmm. each student designed pods and then we all made models of it and put it together in this kind of landscape and awesome. presented it to an actual client. Um, every year they changed. A real-world
0: client? Yeah.
1: Awesome. So um, it was called... Um, Oh, I can't remember now. Crisis. It was called Crisis. So um, Oxford's got the highest homeless rate in the whole of UK. Um, And we... Crisis is a website and basically offers, um, like, artworks and... um, Art classes, sorry, education, free education, mm-hmm. soup kitchen for the homeless in Oxford, mm-hmm. and they have interviews on their website right. about um, all the homeless in around the UK. And we went onto the website, found a real client, and because they had these big blurbs about them, mm-hmm. to like do full studies into who they were, and then we designed specifically for that homeless person. So it was really interesting, um, and then also really interesting. Um, changing the whole entire perception of I always try to include passive design in my um, designs in Australia about getting wind flow and the much as much sunlight and mm-hmm. not too harsh sun and but they're completely opposite. it's all about retaining heat and yeah. I, I went with another girl and we're like we have no idea how to do this <laughs> so, there was a lot of going back to the tutor like is this right like is this how you keep the heat in like yeah. I don't don't really understand like do we open the windows do we not like, it's it was very it was really different the whole entire I guess like it was flipped on its head yeah. what we were used to and but yeah, really interesting, um, and yeah, crazy intense. The, it was you think you have a whole semester to do the research and come up with the design in the end, but the tutor just kept throwing curveballs at you, and you know the um, it was two six-hour days or two seven-hour days of wow. yeah, uni at per close. week. Yeah, per yeah. week. Um, yeah, and I think one weekend. It was one of my friend's birthday, so we decided to go to Berlin right. for the weekend. We're like, okay, stuff it, we're gonna go. And then we came back, we're like, why did we go? We're so behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but it's really good because you can, at on exchange, you just have to pass or fail. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't come back to your grades in um, Australia. But I went there with the perception of I want to learn as much as I can. I want to learn how to 3D print. I want to learn how to use a laser cutter machine. Because we don't really do that too much in the interior mm-hmm. um, about making models and things. So, um, and the tutor there was really helpful into just pushing you and, yeah.
0: Awesome. And was that, was the delivery, the way it's taught at uni level, Mm -hmm. was that different? Did you see any differences there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was really, so there was only 20 people in my class, Mm -hmm. 23, I think. Um, whereas in interior we've got 60 here. So there was way smaller, Mm -hmm. way more class time. So you could get like 15 minutes to half an hour. With your tutor. With your your tutor, whereas here we have a timer for like seven minutes every time. So um, you get a lot more feedback, a lot more content, and then Mm -hmm. you finish off with a lot more of a resolved design. And um, you have like – you make four or five – there was one point where I was making a new model every week. It was really Mm -hmm. model-based. And here with Interior, we start off with like sketches and a concept, and then we put it into – like floor plans and sections. And then maybe if we have time we make a model at the end,
0: right?
1: Completely opposite over there. They start off with a model Mm -hmm. and then they rip things out and put it in and rip and make this really messy model. And then they make a refined model out of that. And from that they take the sections and elevations and then they do their renders last. So completely opposite. Yeah. And I was terrible at model making because you don't have to do that. I'm personally
0: not a fan of model making as well. So yeah, that would have been been an experience.
1: Yeah, definitely an experience. Definitely a complete different way of teaching. Yeah.
0: Wow, there you go. And do you think that is actually a beneficial way of learning as a student?
1: Um, I think it's beneficial to have both. Okay. I think what I've learned um, from my four years here um, (laughs) is that it's really difficult. Design is so subjective, but I think every tutor prefers either hand drawing or digital or model making. And, um, it's really good to have a wide set of skills, but also tutors and who's marking. You need to be aware that not everyone has the same set of skills. So, it's really difficult when you hand in, like, a, I'm really good at digital stuff, I'm not that good at hand drawing, mm-hmm. but if your tutor prefers hand drawing, sometimes it's a bit hard to kind of navigate where you stand on that scale, yeah?
0: Yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. and I think that's the biggest problem most people, most educators usually teach through their bias mm-hmm. lens, and uh, instead of, we actually need to have that, um, I think, foresight to understand that teachers are actually uh, your, your students are actually going to be ending in, in the industry they need all those skill sets mm. so you need to allow them to find their own creativity yeah. it's something that I always tell my students whenever they come and ask me going oh do you think this looks good I'm like it, that part is r- irrelevant mm. like if I, I may think it looks good I may not but yeah. does it make it a bad design it may or may not yeah it's up to you to understand that as a designer absolutely so it's, yeah. um, uh, that's actually quite interesting mm. and Are there lectures? Are there? Is it open studios there? How does it work over Um, there?
1: For uh, for my class, my tutorials, it was just open studios. I think we had maybe two or three lectures. Really informal. He just stood up at the front of class, had had his laptop turned around, and was like. He went to a trip to Japan one time. And one of his lectures was showing his slides. To show and yeah, tell. <laughs> yeah, show and tell basically. Yeah. He was really passionate. Got really excited about the small things, and mm-hmm. one of those tutors that would like start off with a conversation, just talking normally, and by the end he was shouting with his arms <laughs> waving everywhere. Like he was very passionate, and yeah, um, yeah so it was really just informal, but a lot more one-on-one time, and a lot more catered to what your design is, and he, like everyone by the end of it had a vast variety of different designs. Like mine was really um, organic and layered and um, timber where um, my friend and like sort of shaped like a big piece of coral mm-hmm. where my friend who came with me and who we basically had the same amount of time with him. She ended up with this big perforated steel structure Right. and completely same brief, but completely different things when completely contrasting mm-hmm. Where well, I don't feel like that happens as much here mm-hmm. I feel like because we have less time and we're really um focused I feel like we're really focused on what's on trend at the moment a little bit so, well not really focused but I feel like that comes into it a lot yeah um mm-hmm. so this last semester um we handed in our design assignment and everything was Carlisle, Richard Spence, mm-hmm. Archways and mm-hmm. that kind of thing yeah. whereas I feel like on exchange everything was just so vastly different from each other Mm -hmm. and um yeah so just i don't know it's just something that happens in between the i guess one-on-one connection that kind Mm -hmm. of pushes you in different ways yeah yeah
0: Yeah. and what about the software the technology that you guys used over there is it Mm -hmm. similar to here
1: so they used rhino Mm -hmm. um i think i'm really revit based Mm -hmm. and um I've kind of got myself really ingrained in Revit. At Coddy Park, they used ArchiCAD, right. and I had to teach myself That would Archicad have been a culture bit. shock. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was difficult. But, um, yeah, over there, they used AutoCAD and Rhino, um, and I thought... Because they were so model-based, they Mm -hmm. didn't really get too much into the technical side of things, Mm -hmm. Um, just really basic. Conceptual. Um, Yeah, conceptual, which I think QT does really good here. Mm -hmm. They really go into the documentation and how things work. Um, So it's hit and misses from both Mm -hmm. sides, I feel. The way they did their technology and how they were taught it, I thought they were missing out a bit compared Mm -hmm. to what we learn but um, they focus so much more on the conceptual side of things. So I don't know if there's a balance there somewhere or if that's, if they focus more on conceptual and we focus more on the technical. I'm not too sure, but, yeah, just two different things. No, it's parties, actually yeah. quite
0: interesting to know that because um, something I get asked from teachers a lot is, what if our students get, uh, they, they want to go beyond and learn and practice in outside of Australia? Mm. What are the softwares they need to use? And obviously, if it's an ARCII-based one, it's quite you know you have only one or two options yeah but then if you're talking industrial interior yeah. landscape any of the different ones it starts to broaden it and yeah. there's no it's almost like where do you put the lid on it
1: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, um, yeah.
0: but it's interesting to see that even in uh, at, at Oxford they they have that same limitations mm-hmm. and um, so I want to actually take a bit of a tangent now and talk mm-hmm. about if you were to travel, if say there's two versions of you, mm-hmm. you know, parallel universes. Okay. <laughs> one version is the one that has traveled thirty-four to thirty-four different countries. Yeah. The other version stayed in Australia, never,
1: mm-hmm. never
0: traveled outside of Australia. Yeah. What would be the differences in that per- in those two people? do You oh, think?
1: <laughs> man, I, I think that's like a very deep question. <laughs> um, I, my whole entire life has been based around learning up from other cultures, and not just about design, but about other cultures, and making sure that I am um, aware and politically correct. And um, you know, I am currently dating I, a person at the moment whose parents are from Sri Lanka. Australia. Australian, oh, wow. but um, yeah, it's been. I it's been really kind of challenging. Um, You know, I feel like if I haven't had this travel experience before, it would be so much harder to understand where he's coming from, being a brown person in Australia, than me trying to understand now. I would be, I feel like I would be a very naive person if I hadn't traveled and my parents hadn't raised me the way they raised me. Um, And yeah, I I think that's a really deep question. I could (laughs) go on tangent about that for hours, but yeah, I... I really like the person I am at the moment and Mm -hmm. the person I've become because of the travel and I feel like it's opened up my eyes a lot to the world and how I perceive Australia, how I perceive friendship groups Mm -hmm. and different minority groups Mm -hmm. and um, how I perceive, I've gone to a lot of third world countries Mm -hmm. so know where I can have gratitude in my life where I don't and I think if I didn't travel I would yeah just be naive to the world which i feel like a lot of not a lot of people are but just not people are naive but a lot of people are just unaware of different cultures and how contrasting they actually are yeah Yeah, that's
0: right and i think um this is something that the un is actually trying to uh, Mm -hmm. help tackle in the education sector where they they went through this series of production submissions where in vr 360 video they recorded classrooms from Around the world, mm. so African schools that you know have no desks to private schools in the U.S. to yeah. everything, right? Yeah, and um, it's actually very interesting because it's to allow that same awareness that you're talking about, so that people understand, you know, what what happens in their country mm-hmm. isn't the norm around the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And,
0: and um, that they should be, whether they're working towards something better or mm-hmm. bringing people together, or, or that gratitude that you mentioned. Yeah. Now, obviously, empathy is a very big tool. Uh, For a designer, yeah, Um, and it's it's one of the main values of design thinking as well. Do you think your empathetical skills have grown because of your travels?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Like, um, yeah, I've seen a lot of poverty in the world, and I. I think that was one of the key things. Like, I saw I saw my first dead body when I was 13 in wow. India. Like, I, yeah, I have seen a lot of poverty and I've seen how design can actually change it. And I think it's something that's been in the back of my head when I've traveled to places. A lot of the time it's aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Um, people see aesthetics, but actually going to a country and seeing how a space can make you feel and how it can change someone's life mm-hmm. that is what's pushed me to be an interior designer um, cuz a lot of it so much is focused around that and it's so user focused and yeah it's so much more about um it's so much more about just the aesthetics of it and You know, spatial justice, salutogenics, environment, all of that comes into play.
0: And it comes from the care for that end user.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can't just design something pretty and expect it to work. Like, we've done all huge studies into, um, like, workplace and what should be going into a workplace um, to make someone feel more productive, to make someone feel more comfortable, and a lot of um, people are trying to implement um, the theory of home into a workplace. Mm -hmm but then it can go too far and it can't go far enough. And then you actually like go to the workplace and you're in like a dark room and you just, you feel it, you understand and you understand where people are coming from and you feel like um, a workplace, I'm not going to mention the name, (laughs) but I, I worked at was like black walls. Wow. And no windows and no one stayed after work and socialized with each other. Everyone just went straight home straight away. Everyone just worked straight through the day. It was just like really deflating. You'd walk in and like it'd be so sunny outside and walk into this just black box. Yeah. And it's a prison like, cell. Pardon? Prison cell. Pri- yeah. I, like, it wasn't prison cells, just like suave. Wow. But I just don't think suave works in the workplace. So, yeah, yeah it's um, that's just one example and that's just your workplace mm. and people's homes and, um, you know, jail cells and education centers. It can just go so much further. The recent, um, the recent one that um, we did last semester was my group – um came up with the concept of reinventing um, youth detention centres because they're not working at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we gained a lot of inspiration from Scandinavian youth detention centres and how they design around that. Um and it's so much it can be so much more about integrating education rather than just detaining someone. Yeah. and um, yeah, because the the reoffending rate is eighty percent for youth detention, boy, mm-hmm. boys. And it's like, well, we're obviously doing something wrong. Yeah. How can you reinvent that? And I, design is such a huge part of that. And yeah, I feel like that's why I'm here. <laughs> that's yeah. why I want to do it, yeah.
0: I feel like I can see that your care for the actual industry, the end user, mm-hmm. has grown just based on your, I think, life experiences and yeah. travel. And uh, this is actually really interesting because there's Scandinavian schools that have remove the word detention Mm -hmm. and when you're, you know, a quote-unquote a bad kid and you do something naughty Mm
1: -hmm. You're not
0: sent to detention anymore. You're actually sent to meditation classes Oh amazing and it's had a huge impact on how those kids actually work Mm -hmm. and Their behavior changes and it's not a negative connotation anymore. They're not being punished for something. Yeah, they start to see it as a reward Mm -hmm. and um, There's teachers that I've spoken to about that here and especially people in like the I think the more difficult areas the low socioeconomic where they have a lot of gang issues and things like that you know if if 19 out of the 25 kids are you know saying the f-word to the teacher it's a very tough job for the actual yeah. teacher itself but then other than sending them to detention they don't have another solution yeah we spoke about this and changing that to meditation and how that can impact. Mm. I think again, it's that what you said before. They've been living in that societal bubble; mm-hmm. they weren't aware of it. Yeah, and, and now it's actually given them a different motivation to look at that same problem in a completely different mm. angle. And then I think that's the beauty of design as well. We n- inherently learn how to look at the same issue from multiple different angles. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Now, I think one of the things that I wanted to ask you was. Has traveling made you a better designer? Like, Obviously, I know Mm. that the question, we've already answered this, but I wanted to understand your point of view. Do you think it's made you a better designer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think just the education point of view um, in Oxford was 100% made me a better designer just because... Um, Of skill set there and just having a totally different view from a different angle. I think doing architecture classes or taking architecture classes have made me a better designer because architects take a completely different view from what interiors take. Um, So, (laughs) which I've actually really struggled with. I've done first year architecture subjects as a third year interior student. I'm like, what (laughs) am I doing? (laughs) uh, But yes, because it's just a completely different mind frame. But then traveling in itself is... I guess in australia we see um i guess our cities and you know there's the sydney opera house and the sydney Harbour bridge and um you know there's buildings in melbourne and things but you go overseas and you see sagrada familiar or you see the eiffel tower mm-hmm. or you know you got you go to porto in portugal and they've got these massive bri- i've never been interested in bridges in my life <laughs> and then i went to porto and i was like i love Routes. like they're just massive and it's just insane how like the engineering behind it and i think traveling and actually seeing the extent of where architecture can go you can't see that too much in australia maybe here and there but like in europe um it's just crazy every everywhere you see such small details mm. and um such big details and Huge designs and old things that are hundreds of years old, and you know the. I went to the Colosseum and I was like, oh, like it's just surreal. Like you, yep. know, you, it was really odd. Like I was walking to go find it and I was like, okay, it's on my maps. It's coming up soon. And I was like, oh, I want, like if I have to turn this corner, where's it going to be? And then I just like turned to my left and it was there. Hmm. And I was like, oh, that's the Colosseum. <laughs> like, I've seen this in movies my whole life, yep. and now it's there in front right. of me. Yeah. And yeah, it's really surreal and how beautiful and detailed and mm-hmm. it is. And I just went back to Italy um, over this last mid-semester break and I went and saw an opera mm-hmm. in like an old Roman arena. Mm-hmm. And it was insane. It was insane. It was so beautiful. And, yeah, you just you don't get that in Australia. You don't get the old architecture. You don't get... Um, contrasting with like vastly contemporary architecture Mm -hmm. you don't have the you'd have like a little bit of modernism here and there i went to um the barcelona pavilion Mm -hmm. and it was so much smaller than what i thought it was i see and then it was so much more beautiful than i thought it was as well it's crazy and yeah just really amazing definitely made me a better designer
0: i think that's the beauty of it it's actually got a It's given you a whole array of new design styles and features. Mm. It's almost like having your own personal experience, Pinterest board.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah.
0: (laughs) And at the same time, making you a more sympathetic, understanding, compassion, Mm. empathy. You can't go wrong. No,
1: absolutely not. Yeah, it's, um, I think, taking the, it's also sad as well, though Mm. you go to Europe and you see these massive churches and you're like... That church could have saved an <laughs> <all> African country, you <laughs> know, that kind of thing. Like, it's a bit sad in that that, that aspect that um, the amount of money has that have gone that has gone into the decor, I guess, mm-hmm. of some of these places. But um, it's also just really, yeah, pretty amazing to go and experience it. And I think. I think with the Notre Dame burning and a lot of people are saying, why don't you donate this money to the Great Barrier, Great Barrier Reef and, mm-hmm. you know, you could be donating... Th- the Notre Dame got this many billions of dollars, but you could be donating this money to somewhere else. I think people don't realise the importance of architecture and history. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people are donating money to get the Notre Dame fixed, I'm like, do it, because mm-hmm. you need to conserve that history and mm-hmm. that architecture, and of course you need to be putting money into the Great Barrier Reef as well. But yeah. I think people don't actually realize the importance of spaces and the buildings and we spend 80% of our lives average inside. Mm-hmm. There is a huge importance of what that is feeling like and what's that, make, that makes you feel like. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely.
0: I think that's um, beautifully said. And obviously a lot of students and even actually adults have this problem of how do you can't travel Unless you save, you mm. need money to travel.
1: Mm.
0: You've obviously found a way around that. Yeah. And one of the last things I wanted to ask was what what are your tips in making that happen?
1: Yeah. So, I've come from a very privileged household where it's been, um, it's been a huge thing for my family to educate me in this way. Mm-hmm. And so... That's been great for me. It's given me the taste of travel. Getting to Oxford, I was living out of home. I worked three jobs, I saved a lot of money, um, but I always had my parents to fall back on if I couldn't make it, which is a privilege I have that a lot of people don't have. Mm-hmm. So I'm just making that clear. But um, basically, planning, planning a budget as mm-hmm. well is really important get onto Centrelink. <laughs> um, yep. If you, uh, you can still get Centrelink while you're overseas if you're studying and not if you're traveling, but mm-hmm. if you're studying, you can. Um, so thank you, Centrelink. I probably wouldn't be able to do it without you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, just, it's a lot of just, I think to get to Oxford, I didn't really have a work social life balance. Mm-hmm. I just worked and worked because that was a big. I think goal you remember
0: mentioning yeah. that you were working for three jobs yeah. leading up to that. So that's yeah. an incredible commitment.
1: Yeah, a big commitment. Um, I didn't do that the whole year. I just did it to a point where I knew I could get my I could get myself over there. I knew mm-hmm. to a point that I could um, still save money and get myself over there by the end of the year. So I think I did it for maybe six months. Yep. Yeah. Or eight months, I worked three jobs. Um, but I also lived out of home as well. And I chose to do that. I could have worked two jobs or one job and moved back in with my parents as well. So
0: yeah,
1: yeah, it's just a balance and, um, finding, finding what you're passionate about and finding how you can get there. Mm -hmm. It's, um, but yeah, when I was over there, I chose the cheapest places to stay like dodgy (laughs) hostels and things so I was very budget driven and Mm -hmm. I'm okay to do that and I know a lot of people aren't okay to travel by themselves um, and a lot of people need friends and things so it's I think it's really personal preference Uh Um, but yeah it's it's don't try plan it like a month beforehand you need a yeah. plan like you need like a year to plan something if you're going over six months or so yeah definitely yeah
0: <laughs> awesome well there you go thanks so much tash and um how can people get in touch with you because you're all uh, you are a wealth of experience and mm-hmm. knowledge when it comes to this so um how can people get in touch with you if they have questions for you
1: um they can add me on facebook because okay. my name's in the show sure welcome to add me on facebook always happy to answer questions about exchange and um travel and things it's a big passion of mine so yeah <laughs> always try to urge people to do it as much as they can yeah yeah
0: awesome yeah. well that's it for today folks thank you so much tash and um before we leave if um jump online and uh, leave a review if you if you like what we do here um you Every, every At the end of every episode, I'm going to give a shout out to the reviews and your name can be listened to over 14 different countries. Um, and also jump online and check out the past episodes if you have any passion, see if the topics are there. If not, you can actually message me and I make it a point to actually personally respond to every single message that I receive. So till next time. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.